It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Cool day, crazy day, lots of good content, lots of football talk. Chats about other stuff as well. John Von Tobel is at Silver 7s, nice enough to uh, handle the show on that end. That's our regular home on these Thursdays. Reno is in. Welcome. ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. On Radio Row, Adam Hill is here with us. Let's get to the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Tomorrow, John, Adam is going to man the set here, and there is only one thing that he'll have to do or our show helpers, our producers out here and host, Jared and Damon could help him with. There's only one goal. You understand what it is, right? A premium guest spot that Adam absolutely wants. I would assume it's get Pat McAfee. It is get Pat McAfee. And we're actually part of a little storyline with McAfee because we've talked about this. His sports book has this giant setup in one of the corners, right? He's got this great stage. It's awesome. Uh, Their competitor, it's FanDuel and DraftKings, um, has a massive stage. Everyone can see it. Pat McAfee stage, you can't really see from much of the room. Uh, why is that? Let's listen to Pat. DraftKings has the spot in which Fandle was at last year. That's yep. where we were sitting last year. We had that thing wide open last year yelling into everybody's face. Mm-hmm. The Raider, this Raiders group right here is, I don't want to say uh, this thing's going to be tough, though, if they're just parked right there. We're not going to be able to see anything behind them. Yeah. But they have a good backdrop. Proud of them. I've got... Two tickets to paradise. Why don't you pack your bags and leave it tonight? It's not any money. And this thing is touchy. So the thing is what, Adam? Yes. Yeah, they've got a they've got a camera that it's an awesome piece of equipment. I mean, it could it could spot people all the way across the entire room, which is a massive convention center, and they can control it, go back and forth, and zoom in on interviews, you know, a hundred yards away. And so they're they're kind of making fun of people and things they see walk by. Uh, but about a third of the room is blocked uh, that they cannot do their technology and their fun with because of our banners, which is fantastic. I think it's entertaining. I think it's a good story. They, they've made good use of it. It's hilarious. The cam- I'm so jealous of the camera, John. It's it's awesome. They can basically rove around the room and zoom in on different sets and, and they, they, bald spots. They and, thought and there they're that trying they, to guess who guests are and yeah. host are. And they thought there that they had saw some seen they had seen somebody that looked like Eddie Buddy, so yep. they burst into song and it wasn't. You know, every minute of the, I don't know when you're listening to the show. You've been down here the whole time, so I mean, it's not. There's no beef here. Like they're but they're concerned about these two giant banners blocking the room. Here's a another conversation a couple hours ago about us. We'll also be chatting to these folks, right? The Raiders folks. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll be chatting to them, just seeing if we can make a little magic. Yeah. If you're not live, is there any way we can buy an ice cold beer? Right. Move these f-ing things to the side, please. They're good people, though. Look at their setup. Yeah, That's no, a very professional setup. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the biggest guy on the show, the highest paid guy. The name on the show is fine with us because he understands who was the punk who said move the f and stuff that was ty okay because that's not going to work with this crew i know and i'm not the one to to deal with it's q because sure. q, q myers built the set and they did send over i think the sportsbook rep and he kind of pedaled his way in real soft and broke the subject it was, it was basically like a hard no 
the banners are not coming they down. They asked the wrong person. They go to me. I'm ripping them down. Uh, you would have tackled them. Yes. Okay, I'm ripping them off. The, I'm, they're done. No more banners. John, if the NFL came to us tomorrow and said, you got to take them down, what do you do? Leave them up. <laughs> yeah. That's well, I mean, you really have you, <laughs> you have a dog in the fight, too. I mean, yes, technically. But also, I'm, uh, I'm kind of boys with the McAfee crew. I don't know if you guys knew this. Wait, what? Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, Adam, like a year ago, it's like twice, uh, is it Tone had me on their, uh, their gambling on show. On Hammer Down? Yeah, hammered down. Yeah, so I've been John's on that been a couple on times. twice in the McAfee group. Yeah, in the universe. I I don't want to I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Steve. I'll introduce you. No, no, no. No, he he thinks he has an end. No, no, the wheels are in motion. Already today, yeah, wheels are in motion. All right, All for right. you to go on there. I don't. I'm not saying. Oh man, I would so love. I'm to just say. saying the wheels are in motion, John. They need a Raiders so guy, huh? What? What a what? Maybe. Am I playing on the PA system? I recommend Q Myers as a, whoa, uh, a great, whoa. great Raiders insight. Yeah. The, the sad thing is uh, Adam making the effort is actually sort of stabbing a good friend of the show right in the freaking back. Who? I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. I'm also uh, maybe a previous Raiders insider. I'm not going to say. Okay. Yeah. I'm also pretty sure that Adam will go on and totally be Adam Hill of ESPN Las Vegas. Exactly. No, they like uh, newspaper people. <laughs> Which, uh, when he said that to me, I was like, "Why?" Because they can make fun of them. That's funny. a good point. Yeah. So they actually want you to be kind of bad. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to tone down on my wonderful talent. You have to be kind of be silly, yeah. blithering yeah. idiot. Yes. Number three. Number three. Man, a lot of beefs out there. We don't have a beef. McAvee's totally professional. That very cool guy. We love his show. Good natured dude. Uh, what's going on with Bradshaw, Kyler Murray, and Sean Payton? Well, so apparently Terry Bradshaw the other day in an interview said that Sean Payton didn't take the Cardinals job because he didn't like Kyler Murray. Yes. Was, <laughs> Those, by you, the way, the same interview, John, that Terry Bradshaw, I think, had to defend himself because uh, he was asked why why people think he's so stupid. Oh, he got, oh like, really? sensitive about it. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's been called stupid for, like, 50 years. He said it hurts. Yeah. Isn't uh, he the one? I guess it can. Isn't he the one that who's the four? Was there a player who said he couldn't spell cat if you fronted him the C and the T? Yeah, it's yeah. one of his teammates. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he, but he played up the role on a cannibal run too. Sure. I think. Sure, he played a moron. Sure, but now now he's been painted into the corner. For, he painted Sean Payton into a corner because yeah. he said Sean Payton didn't take the job because he didn't like Kyler Murray. And so, what does this mean, John? <laughs> this is this is a little uncomfortable. Well, Payton also went on K Adams show for uh, another pop for them, FanDuel TV, and. Um, Actually, I had to walk Terry's own comments back and even said something along the lines of, like, ah, Terry's pretty zany. Whenever you put a mic in front of him, you never know what you're going to get. But I like Kyler Murray. In fact, he's my son's favorite player. Okay, settle down. Uh, by the way, that that interview was, like, 12 feet away from us. I wish I would have gone and listened to it. Uh, Kay Adams show watched did, it, but you can't say. Kay Adams show did have a great setup where they, they had, a like, a beer pong table set up, and everybody that came on the show okay. had to take their turn throwing them in there. I saw this. I would. You're a rules guy, Adam. I would sure. immediately throw a red flag. Were on those Cam, glass Cam, cups? Yeah, on Cam Jordan. He like he just threw like the whole no. thing of, of balls at once. No, 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 no. Were those glass cups? Uh, yeah, they were. That's no. You can't do that. They they have to be plastic yeah, no. cups. Well, could I could I also point out? Uh, pl- I'll plug my Instagram story, John. Uh, I Sorry. went over there. I went over there with Josh Jacobs, and uh, watched him do it. And he told me afterward. I said, "Bro, what are you?" 
that was terrible. And he said, I didn't – he admitted, and I put it on my story, he didn't play beer pong in college. He's, he's like, I wasn't like a party guy, I, so I guess I didn't learn how to play. Not his fault. Number two. All right, Russell Westbrook is gone. D'Angelo Russell is replacing him. Three-way trade. I like the trade for the Lakers. The Westbrook sucks, and he's bringing down the Lakers thing. Can stop now, right, John? Uh, no, it actually got a lot worse over the last like what? ten hours or something. Um, Brian Windhorse yesterday oh, no. goes on Scott Van Pelt's show. Yep. Uh, says, quote, no offense to anybody, but just removing Westbrook, who just functionally was killing them, he was killing them. Like, he yelled it at Scott Van Pelt, which is weird. Like, Russell Westbrook was not good. Russell, Russell Westbrook was also not the only issue with the Los Angeles Lakers this season. And then Dave McMenamin on the NBA trade deadline special today quoted an insider or somebody and said, quote, um, when you remove a vampire from the locker room, meaning that a vampire sucks the blood out of a locker room, and now Russell Westbrook is gone. I get the concept of the energy vampire. John Gruden talked about <laughs> yeah. it. We had a whole debate on the show. Who is the energy vampire on Cofield and Company? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Did you like the Russell part of the deal for the Lakers? Yeah. I mean, look, the Lakers, I think the, the easiest way to put it is the Lakers going into today had two players who were shooting better than 36% from three. They have six now. Like, that's, that's a really big difference, and that's a really good thing for a team that desperately needed shooting. Number one. So we just had Xavier Pope, our buddy, on from Chicago, and he was saying uh, crazy, crazy day. He was riveted by it. You're an NBA guy. How, how nuts was today? I thought today was incredible, and I don't want to. I don't want to get wrapped up in the like it's the best trade deadline I've ever yeah, seen. That's right. Um, but there was a lot. Of, there was a lot going on today, and the the cool thing is, like, there were big moves, right? We woke up to Kevin Durant. We see what the Lakers were doing, but you also get like these little moves that happen out of nowhere that really make teams better. The Clippers got Eric Gordon and Mason Plumlee. They bought low on a young player out in Denver, Bones Highland. Although friend of the show Chad Andrus was uh, laughing at me through DMs because I don't think he really likes Bones Highland a lot. Um, but in all these other moves that are around the fringes, Jay Crowder going to the Milwaukee Bucks, like you can go on and on. There's a lot that happened today. It was great. Most impactful deal overall, clearly, KD? Yeah, I don't think there's really any question. Like when you look at the way the odds shifted again, probably a little bit too much, but it makes them a contender in the Western Conference, and he's the best player in basketball when he's fully healthy. So I don't really think there's any question that that would be the most impactful. But those little ones, like the Clippers adding backcourt depth and a backup center they needed, Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee to make their small ball lineup a little bit more effective, like that, those can really make the difference in a lot of those conferences. So what's your pecking order now for the title? Uh, I feel I still think I would go Boston, uh, close tie between Philly and Milwaukee. Uh, we'll go. Warriors fully healthy, then Suns. How about that? There's your top five. All right. I might have to make some plays off of that. Dude, the, the, at the at Superbook, the Warriors this morning were plus 950 to win the West. They're now like 7-1. to one. I have a lot of work to do the, uh, the next couple of days. We can bring down the music. Thanks, Ari. Actually, it's not even the next couple of days because I'm leaving the state. And I was all fired up to put a bunch of bets down with the books down here. I might have to steal John's props. <laughs> I really wanted to get like 15 in in Arizona. Still have time. It's dwindling. 
It is. I am driving, so I could pull off the road a couple of times. Sure. Driving to California. So there's a good good amount of distance between Phoenix and San Diego. And, and by the way, I've made that drive a couple of times. I don't know if you have. Oh, oh no, don't do not do it. No. Oh, boy. Uh, why would you do that? Oh, boy. You of all people who love driving and tell me all the time to drive. What, what, what do you mean? Not this one. Why? Uh, stop for gas, I would say, or a drink of some sort. You'll see nothing for like two hundred wow, miles. That's not. I mean, JBT, you take you take rides that have nothing. You just deal with it. Yeah, some of the California rides are nuts. You know how many times I've driven through the Midwest across the country? There are some hellhole right. states where there's just right. nothing. Oh, wait till, no. wait till, okay, wait till, wait till I get this this text. You know, oh. it's interesting about the drive down here, John. Have, do you uh, you ever drive to Phoenix? I haven't for a long time, but I have before. I I, I hadn't either, like 15 years. Oh, I forgot the, how much of it is the, only is only two lanes, and I did it at night, and there's a lot of curves. Like, there were a couple points where I'm like, I'm actually going to slow down. Well, you go Kingman, uh, Wiki Up, Wickenburg, yeah. and then you're here. There's nothing but it was in between. From w- Wiki but, Up to here, there was a lot of there, – there were a couple two-lane roads, and tractor trailers are just bombing yep. by you with no median. You're like, whoa, if someone just – Nods off for a second. It's freaking head on. Did you take the uh, the lake the lake shortcut? No. What is that? As soon as you go through uh, through Wickenburg, you take a little. Uh, there's a little turn off through the lake. I don't know. You I don't cut know. over to the 17 and straight I got, down. I got uh, I got ways. I got boy George. Uh, you know, directing me. He didn't it, tell me. It is, it is a creepy voice it on, is your, a very, on your ways. It <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> creepy voice. Kofi and Company on Radio Row. On the way, we're going to uh, sit down with Sean Merriman. Lots to get into. Lights out. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Another busy day on Radio Row, ESPN Las Vegas on the scene. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Cofield and Company, and uh, somewhat of a regular guest for us. We talk a lot of fighting and uh, some Chargers and AFC West. Sean Merriman is here again. You've been working all week. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I, I lost count after uh, after the third day. So, Does anyone do more interviews than you? I, I think that's the question. I think you've done every show here. Uh, you know, just about, man. It, but, you know, I don't, I don't really look at it like that because it, this is one time of the year you get a chance to talk to everybody where they're under one under one roof. Yeah. Um, and so some of the, you know, parts of the country that you don't get the opportunity to talk to, then they're all in one building, man. So it's, it's cool for me. What uh, We know that you, I, mean, I don't know when you have free time, because you're like, I think you're here all day, but do you enjoy the Super Bowl weeks? Like, do you, do you go hang out? Do you get amongst the people, see the town? I, after, after today, right? I think okay. the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is, you know, about media work and, and, and whatever. But, you know, the, the, the events is always the cool part of it, right? When yeah. everybody comes in town and, you know, most of the guys don't get here until Thursday. I mean, you know, that's why it's get pretty crowded. So, I'll enjoy my after the day. I'll I'll have some fun. Try to anyway. Next year, man. Yeah, Las Vegas. <laughs> well, I'll be home because I'm a I'm a Las Vegas yeah. resident. So, what is, what is that going to be like though? I think it's th- this times ten. I mean, <laughs> you know that, and, and you know the part of it is is that there's there's so many different. Um, because Vegas is a whole different beast, right? It's a whole different animal, oh, yeah. and and I'm I, you know, I'm a resident, so I I see over the last four or five years what Vegas has done, and the more and more you know F1 and NFL and NBA, I mean it's it's just getting crazy and crazier by the day. By the way, it looks like uh, Clark County at least is saying it that F1 might be there for ten years, not three. Oh yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah, that's that's insane. 
Uh, but you know what's crazy is just the, the, the growth in F1 in general, and they're, they're kind of making Las Vegas the home by having this long-term deal. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I don't want any more, more people to come to Vegas, all right? I, I love the no traffic. I move, <laughs> I, move for, I move from L.A. for this reason. So yeah, I'm trying to keep everybody out. Tropicana is still going to be closed then. So that's November. 18 months. November's F1, and then the Super Bowl a couple months later. Well, it's if, not going to be done? If, if, you got, if you guys see me on Tropicana with a, with a sledgehammer out there working, <laughs> we, we should all go down there. We need to get this, this work done <laughs> for sure. a little more quickly. All right, where do you want to go first? Fighting Chargers Bills because I mean, uh, we got you know we got the number one Bills hater over here. I he do. was a Bills fan. He's an old guy. Uh, he was a Bills fan for how long? What would you say? Um, My entire life. Until yes. I started covering the league. Yep. Uh, until he started covering the league, so he covers the Raiders. But he also he's the only guy. Well, not the only guy. He's the old, he's one of the only guys in America who does not like Josh Allen because he right. planted he planted a flag early and said, "Hey, he's well, not going to be a good quarterback." You still get on him now. Sure. Inconsistency. Okay. And, and and my issue is with fans. And my issue is really going back to how they tre- how they treated uh, somebody in Tyrod Taylor, who is an unbelievable human being, yeah. who took them to a playoff run for the first time in over twenty years, and was treated despicably by the fan base. And now, if everyone does everything right, it's well, the team still sucks. Josh Allen would have won the Super Bowl eight times in four, four years if only he had help. For, like he's not God. And, and just because you, you hated the other guy doesn't mean you can just treat this guy like he's the greatest in the ever. Well, I, I think that we do that a lot as, uh, you know, fans or whatever. We're talking to one, about one guy and how great he is and talk about another. We're not saying the other guy sucks. And so we get we start getting into this comparison. Yeah. And Tyrod, I mean, Tyrod's great. I, th- yeah. I think he probably is one of the most, I don't, I don't, I can't necessarily even call him a really, really, really good starter, right? No, great but human I, being, I, though. You know, great, like, great come human, on. But you got to play. It's, it's about, sure. you know, sure. it's about. Um, you know, playing football, and I think that he was a solid backup for a long time. And I think he still could be a solid backup. Oh, for sure. But I, I just didn't like how he was treated. That was yeah. my, that was my biggest thing, and I, and I thought the the fan base was pretty despicable in how they treated him a lot of times. He took them to a, the playoffs in Buffalo, Sean. That had never happened in so long. Well, you, you know what's what's crazy is um, I had to I had to experience the. F- on a first-hand basis of going to Buffalo, right? And I was scratching and screaming not to go. <laughs> I, I remember. I was. I, remember, I, mean, I, was, I was, you know, saying every... I didn't want to go. And, um, you know, Buddy Nix, who was a general manager there, uh, who obviously was part of drafting me with the Chargers, um, really got me out there. And then when I saw it firsthand, how, how great the fan base is or was, and it just made me fall in love with the city. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, that it can it can go the other way. Yeah. For sure, and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors at play for the people of Buffalo. I think too. <laughs> he would argue, he would, I, he would, I, he would argue I, this for hours. Sean Merriman's with us, so let's get into a little bit of fighting here. Uh, Lights out, extreme fighting. Uh, you guys were on Fubo, and we talked to you about the card in January. Uh, what do you got coming up next? You're going to L.A. Yeah, yeah, we'll be in in Burbank April eighth. Okay, I'm um, going to announce the card here in the next week or two. Uh, we did have the big fight in Riverside, January 14th. That broke the. Uh, we, we moved in the top ten all the time on watched on football TV, football yeah. sports, um, behind like international soccer, which was cool. So if you guys don't have football, uh, get it. And our next fight will be in April, live on football. And we're, we're looking to have a fight every every six six weeks after that. And right. I, I would love to to bring a fight to Vegas at some point. That'd be cool. Um, bring in I, Francis Ngannou. Yeah, can you <laughs> swim those waters? I, look, I, I, saw, I saw Francis training the other day, and um, and he's just getting back into it at, at Extreme Couture. 
and I walked on one. I said, "Man, this dude is this dude is big. He's a little he's, bigger than you, right? Yeah, he's or bigger a lot than bigger. me. He's yeah, he's he's about three hundred pounds. I'm I'm around two sixty five ish. Right. He has and, cut to two sixty five at six four. So yeah, no, he's he's massive, dude. And I'm you know, it's not too there's not too many people to strike fear yeah. when they come in, but he has like this, and he's a, the nicest guy. Right, the nicest guy, but you know, once he turns that thing <laughs> That's on, the it's, thing. you sit there and talk to him, and you're like, he's t- talking about his charity endeavors and going back to Africa and helping out, and uh, and you're like, wait, you could also kill me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I understand you're doing great Flip things, it. and you're a nice guy. You yes. could also kill me right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> Sean Merriman's with us. Um, what's going to happen with Ngannou? Is he going to box or do MMA? He wants to box. Yeah, I mean, he can make a lot more money. Of course. I mean, he might get killed, but he deserves. A payday. He like, does. Give him the payday. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I, I would have loved to to see that work out with the UFC. Um, John Jones and Agano. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see that, and I, and I think the door could still be open. I mean, at, at some point in time, if he didn't go and sign with another promotion, um, I think that door would still be open, even after he takes the takes the bo- boxing match with. Um, with Fury, he wants to fight. And yeah. it's, that I mean, would be great. You, a, you by could, the way, what a terrible matchup. It would be silly. Because Fury is just so good defensively. You're going to get a hard charging guy. You know what's funny? We talked to uh, Chris Davis, who's an actor, and he's uh, he's in the new George Foreman movie, right? And in a lot of ways, Ngannou kind of looks like old George Foreman when he because George was just so much bigger than everyone. And and you saw what Muhammad Ali did to George, right? And I just, I could see Ngannou going on with no boxing experience and fighting Fury. Yeah. I mean, he's well, going to peck him. You know, the, the thing is, he has a he has a knockout power, right? So that's where you got to hope on. If it gets after the fourth round, you know, Ngannou has no shot. Yeah. It's just it's just hard at that point. You've been you've been, you've been doing this uh, MMA promotion stuff for a while. Like you, you you know, I think a lot of people when they start projects are like, yeah, we'll see if you if you stick with that. You you've stuck with this and you've built this. Like how how rewarding has this experience been for it, you? It's great, man. Um, because you go from doing what I wanted to do growing up, you know, playing in the NFL, you achieved that dream, you, you, you had the opportunity to do that. And I always say this, if I didn't play football, I would have been fighting a long time ago. It was just it was just going to happen. And so now being on a on a on a flip side of everything on the back side of everything where, where you're worried about production you're worried about satellite trucks and you know you it's it's so much it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a different ball game now right and i'm sitting there trying to watch the fight but also hoping that everything is good <laughs> so you know it, it you never really stop worrying until that fight is over you know leading up into fight week it's, it's always a little bit crazy but um i wouldn't do i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do anything else to be honest why? Why did you settle in Las Vegas? Living was um, taxes. No, it's just uh, it's, well, it's a, no. It's a no, big no. reason. You, you know, uh, for me, it was it was just time because I, I do still work with the Chargers often. I can fly in and out of town, and um, I'm on a plane every five to seven days anyway. Um, but I, I made my home in, in Vegas, and um, airports are a lot easier than LAX. How great is the airport? It is. It is so amazing. easy. So crazy. LXF nine coming up in the next couple months in LA. Last couple of things with Sean Merriman. Our conversation today is brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas and Spearmint Rhino. Who's going to win this game, Chiefs and Eagles? I have to take the Eagles. I mean, I I picked against Patrick Mahomes last week, and it was strictly because of his health. I didn't. I've had it in my ankle sprain, and. I was in a walking boot for a week and a half, and it was the same thing that Patrick Mahomes had, and I was in a walking boot for a week and a half. So I thought there was no way in hell he was going to go out and perform the way he did. I said, you know what? As soon as they get him off the spot, and he, as soon as he start running, he's not going to be able to perform. And not only did he do that, he did that with two, uh, number two and three wide receivers. He, did, he, he, he iced the game using his legs at the end, and so it just took everything out. The only difference was is that he wasn't playing the best team in football. 
the Philadelphia Eagles, we haven't seen depth like this in a very long time. They got to rotate nine and ten at that defense line spot. It, there is nothing you can do with that. When you got a Hall of Famer and a Pro Bowler coming off the bench while the other offense linemen get tired. Now you, get, now you got to deal with a fresh hall, future Hall of Famer, and, and that's just not a good, a good position to be in. As a guy who chased quarterbacks, how bad did you feel for that kid making that hit out of bounds? Terrible. It sucks. Terrible. Because I, I, I know what was – and it was a dumb – Penalty. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, I've been in that situation where you're trying to do everything possible to do your job. And you just sometimes you overdo it and you're not thinking. And that's what an inexperience. And, I, and I've been in that situation before in the playoffs where guys done some uncharacteristic things because they haven't they don't know the severity of that moment. They don't know how big that moment is. That's why when you have a Patriot, that's uh, the Patriots. When you have uh, Kansas City, or teams that have been there in this this position before, they're much more composed. They don't do as many dumb things because they've been there, uh, you know, a few times now. And they know how big the stage is. Where are you going to watch the game? I'll be back in back in Vegas. Okay, you got a spot? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get out of here. Um, you know, beat the, beat the traffic. Yep. <laughs> You gotta watch in Vegas. Yeah. Nothing, nothing oh, beats it. The best. Have you settled on a spot yet? No, no, I'm a late, I'm a late decider. Right, you were scouting a place last no, night. So that's also in Vegas. So I got my spot downtown, so I'll be there. But <laughs> man, that's a, Vegas is the best place to watch the game. I think so. Better than I, frankly, better than the stadium. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I want to be sure. able to drink it up and eat. And I gotta be ready for Super Bowl Monday though. We have we have a show, so. You it's do. always a challenge. Yeah, well, like, that, just get annihilated that, on that, Sunday. That Monday is going to be a struggle walking in there. So, <laughs> Fubo National Holiday. Fubo TV. Let's push great for stuff. a national holiday, stuff. please, Enjoy. on Monday. All right, John, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hanging at Radio Row in Arizona, it's Cofield and Company. Thanks to Sean Merriman for joining us, a Vegas resident, former Charger, former Bill. Adam Hill is here. John Von Tobel's over at Silver Sevens. Uh, on and off the air, we've grabbed a ton of interviews, and we had uh, Carolina Teague helping us out as a kind of roving video reporter. And she comes over yesterday, and she's like, I've got young Dylan. And I'm like, oh, the, that, I've seen the kid on Nickelodeon. But as the interview went along, because I didn't do the interview, because I was like, I'm not going to add anything to this. Uh, Carolina started talking about her son, and I was just – first of all, this this kid's an amazing talent, young Dylan, but I was just blown away. I'm like, I think this young Dylan is really, really big. Here's the beginning of the conversation with uh, Carolina bringing in young Dylan. You have been able to become a huge superstar in your own right with Nickelodeon at such a young age. Yes, ma'am. How did you even get your start? I always want to know when I see kids stars, like how does it even start? Did you have a passion at like one or something? Like how did it yeah. start? Well, yeah, that was really it really. You know, I, I always wanted somebody looking at me while I was performing. Like I was always performing when I was at a young age. I was always dancing, rapping. I had a great memory and I became a rapper at a young age. I went viral for uh, singing a popular song called Bryson Tiller's Don't. Yeah. And that's really how my career started. And then, you know, I went on America's Got Talent. You know, I went on uh, uh, NBA All-Star. And now I'm here filming my show, Tyler Perry's Young Dylan. I'm also doing music, NFL Slime Time with Nate. And I'm also here at the Super Bowl. Have you ever been slime before? Yes, ma'am, I have. Yeah. I have. Because I talked to Summer Sanders. I'm sure that's like way before your time. But she was also part of slime. Uh, she also got slime. She's a, she, was, she was on Nickelodeon shows mm -hmm. and things like that. 
She said slime is like a vanilla pudding with some green food coloring. Is that all slime really is? Yeah, re not really though. It, it is a weird consistency to it. Uh -huh. But I feel like when you get slime, you're basically welcome to the family. Yeah. And I feel like, cause, but like for me though, before I even got slime, I've been touching slime always because I got slime earlier this summer and I was filming um, NFL Slime Time and we were touching slime every week. Uh -huh. But getting slime, and I also got slime by Lele. It was pretty cool. I was going to ask you, like, do you like getting slime? Like, so you, it feels like slime. Yes, it definitely does. Not only are you also a musical superstar, you also do the Nickelodeon football games and things like that. You're yes, very knowledgeable with football. Yes, ma'am. So you're here for a reason. Yes, ma'am. Uh, who do you have right now, the Chiefs or the Eagles? Or is that an easy question? Or Fly, Eagles, fly, Eagles nation. <laughs> but, but let me not doubt the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a very great team. Yeah. We need to find a way to, to contain uh, Patrick Mahomes and getting out of the pocket and doing no-look passes and stuff like that because he can definitely sling the ball. Mm -hmm. And you also have, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, it's going to be very hard, but I feel like it's going to be a great game. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, and so so your team is actually the Eagles. Yes, ma'am. Are you from Philadelphia? Or no, ma'am. I'm from um, uh, Maryland. Oh, I, okay. I'm supposed to be a Raven fan, yeah. but due to my father, I don't know, he liked <laughs> Randall Cunningham. That's why he started liking okay. the Eagles. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I just went along with them. My son also listens to your song with Layla, you and yes. Layla. That song is a great song. Thank I actually so listen much. to it. It's really catchy. Do you actually play sports? Are you in football right yes, now? Yes, ma'am. I play, well, not right now due to work, but I, last year I was playing football. I played football my whole life. Yeah, and uh, what was your position? Quarterback and cornerback. Nice. Yes, That's really good. So what advice would you give to uh, young children who want to do this like you? I know you're an inspiration to young kids. Like I said, my son records you every single day on DVR, and he watches all your stuff, and you really inspire children like him. Just to never give up and also have a great supportive system around you. People that are around you, you're supposed to trust. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're doing this, you gotta have fun and be comfortable mm -hmm. with your surroundings. And also just be yourself, you know, give out that energy from your natural self. Don't ever change for anybody. There you go, young Dylan, Nickelodeon, superstar on TV shows, Carolina Teague was with him. Uh, go to Carolina Teague, T-E-A-G-U-E, -E, to follow all of her videos. She did a lot of good work for LV Sports Network and uh, ESPN Las Vegas and Raider Nation Radio 920. Um, we have conversations every once in a while, John, and I, I sat there and uh, was recording that. And I'm looking at these two go back and forth, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what is going on. I don't like this kid. He's way too charismatic. I, that's what I was. And then the yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I'm like, man. And then you know, it's funny. I looked over at his dad, and I was just like, you son of a. Like, how much money is this kid going to make? Young he's Diego on the right track. He's, he's definitely on the right track. Yeah, have you got Diego to acting yet? Young Diego. <laughs> he's on the right track. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Don't forget, our Reno Hour is brought to you by our buddies at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman. Offices in Henderson, Las Vegas, and Reno. 766-1400 is the number to call from anywhere in the state. Let's do a giveaway. Two tickets to uh, VGK against Tampa Bay. That's on the 18th, Saturday, 7 o'clock start. AXS.com is where you get your tickets. 364-1100 for VGK tickets. Caller number 7. we got Dean Blandino sitting with us, and we want to get into NFL officiating. And you know what? I'll start out with the, uh, the easy, obvious question. So Raj the other day said that the NFL officiating has never been better, Dean Blandino. Well, I think that's probably the company line. I don't expect him to say it's it's never been worse, but 
But, you know, for me, I think officials are, are more prepared. I think you think of 30 years ago, the access to video wasn't there. I think they're in better overall shape and, and, and because of the things that we've done on the fitness level. So I think officials themselves are better, more prepared. I don't know if the officiating is better than it's ever been. Because I think we're in a transitional period now because there seems to be more reliance on replay and getting involved from a replay perspective. And we're correcting things in games that probably weren't the original intention of the replay system, right? In 99, we brought that back. It was to correct a big mistake in a significant situation. And now we're correcting a lot of other things and moving the ball for a yard or half yard. And so I think officials are better than they were 30 years ago, but I'm not sure if the officiating overall is, is the best it's ever been. Also, it's, there's so many cameras, right? I mean, we're expanding the amount of cameras at every game, so now we're seeing more potential mistakes. Like, I think people are obsessing over it more, but I don't necessarily mean it's worse. No question. I think they are obsessing over it, and, and it doesn't – because you think about there's a disconnect between how we watch games and how they're officiated. We watch a play from four or five different angles, super slow motion. An official sees it once from their perspective and has to make a call at full yeah. speed. And there's a disconnect there. And I think the officials are the only group on the field that are expected to be perfect, right? Coaches make mistakes, players make mistakes, officials make mistakes. But we expect the officials to be perfect and we're, we're harping on one or two plays in a game when there's 155 plays and the officials get the overwhelming majority of them right. It's a, yeah, certainly it's, it's a topic I think a lot of people get very, very fired up about, myself included. I admit that I'd scream and yell about it all well, the, the time. Raiders, the Raiders, do they have a, a, a history with officiating? I don't is think there, so. Is there any, anything for, ever controversial all, happen? With I, the, dripping with sarcasm. At the, at the, <laughs> at the risk of, of getting fans angry at me again, like going back, like the most famous one obviously would be the Tom Brady Tuck rule, which I believe in my mind was correct at the time. It was the correct ruling at the time. Bad rule. But Sometimes the rule people itself, get confused by yeah, bad rules. The rule itself, I think it had outlived its usefulness, and, and obviously it did change. It didn't change right away, though. That would took about, I think, another 10, 10 years or so, 12 years to get changed. Um, I mean, I, I, had, I talked to uh, some people with the Raiders because they were doing something in conjunction with the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, right? So, so that was another controversial play. Uh, but every fan base has their plays. So I, I did want to ask you about something that we've seen change. And, and I, am, I, for one, I'm, I don't care if a game is nine hours long. Replay everything. Get everything right. That's my thing. Me too. But I'm not in a hurry. It's my fun pass. I'll, I'll be there all day. <laughs> what you, are things you, that's, don't complain. One of the things that's confusing recently to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is the immediate, yeah. the immediate change. Like, hey, we, after discussion, we're making this change, which I like, but isn't it kind of potentially screwing over one team if, hey, they didn't have to use a challenge to do that. Why are you changing that call, but you didn't change the one we had to challenge? You are absolutely right, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Where I think the concept is good. I yes. think the concept, when you can see something that's obvious and you can correct it without going through the whole mechanics of a stoppage and now we've yeah. got the referee over, I think that's a good thing. But it does create a, an inequity where one team may get the benefit of that but the other team may not, and they have to challenge it. You think about the Devontae Smith that was ruled to catch in the NFC Championship game, San Francisco. You know, that wasn't corrected in replay, and San Francisco would have had to challenge. They didn't, and then, you know, we, we know what happened after. Dean Blandino is with us, uh, rules analyst, officiating expert for Fox on the NFL and college football, uh, working with the XFL as well. 
So, how hard is it to be on TV and then be critical and push back on the officials on the field? Because I feel like some rules analysts have been a little hesitant to do that. I mean, that's kind of the running line. Like, he never disagrees, sure. never pushes back. Sure. And when you do it, do you get calls like, Dean, what the blank? <laughs> Why are you burning me <laughs> well, on TV? There, yeah, there is that. And for me, my job is not to you know, kind of coddle the on-field officials. I have to I have to explain the rule, explain what they're looking at, and then give my opinion, right? So if I disagree, you know, myself, my colleague with Fox, Mike Pereira, we'll, we'll disagree with calls. But I think there's a way to do it where your former colleagues aren't going to, you're not going to get that phone call. If you do it in a respectful way versus being disrespectful, and, and so that I try to do it in a respectful way. And for the most part, almost all of my former colleagues that were on-field officials, they understand that and they get it. One of my favorite phrases uh, that I hear people say all the time is, hey, late in the game, don't make a call. Let the players decide right. the game. You right? don't make that call at this aren't, point. Aren't you deciding a game by that's, not making that's a call? That's exactly right. And this idea of let them play. <laughs> right. Well, we're gonna let the we're gonna let the two teams decide the game. Well, if one team is constantly fouling and we're not calling any of those <laughs> right. You're not letting the players decide the yeah. game. You're letting somebody cheat. And that's <laughs> and that's always been that 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 idea of, well, you know, you can't make that call in that situation. Look, if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's gotta be a foul in the fourth quarter, and that's just the way it goes. Do we have enough uh, officiating depth in football, like all throughout college football? No, I don't think we do. I think it's getting worse at the real lower levels where we're not getting enough young people interested in officiating, or they do get started and they have a bad experience and these are kids right these are teenagers that are going to go out and then they're going to get yelled at by adults oh you're going you're going back to like youth sports youth sports oh, if they don't get started no, there but, then but, they don't but go if on. they don't yeah. but that's yeah. been the issue is because we're not getting the numbers at the youth level it starts to then trickle up and where we don't have there we're never going to have a shortage of officials in the nfl right and the power five conferences we're always going to have officials but are we going to have the quality that we need when we're not getting good young people involved early and they they can kind of keep that healthy pipeline moving up the stream can, can we make officiating cool I've, I've been trying to make officiating cool. No one wants it to be cool. I try to be funny. I try to do this, do that. And everybody's just like, well, you're still the refs. <laughs> you know, it's we like, naturally have to dislike you. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Hey, you suck. A, a little bit, this might be a little bit of a deep dive, but one of the things that sometimes does bother me, especially as somebody who covers the league as, as a reporter, is when you have the pool reporter ask questions yeah, after a game, yeah. the answers that I officials know. give are it's, ridiculous. I hate, I hate And I hate it. I hate that process. I hate that because what is the referee going to say? Right. Like it's just, yeah, we screwed it up. You know, they, they, they're never going to say that. I do think that transparency, and I think every once in a while you gain credibility by coming out and saying, we blew it, and this is what we're doing to correct it. And then people can, you know, they may not make them happy, but at least they can move on right. versus that pool report. It's just they're canned responses and it's you're not going to get a lot of it. Yeah, we yeah. know that's what you saw. Yes. You're what, not getting what do you any say now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, this is maybe way too hardcore on officiating. I'm obsessed with officiating. <laughs> no, let's go. If, a, if there is a, like a really bad call in the first half, yeah. is there a discussion at halftime like, hey, we screwed that up? It's, yeah, so if, and, and here's the thing, officials don't, they don't know that they completely screwed something up very rarely, right? right? There, there might be a call where well, that was close. I should maybe should I throw my flag or, but they don't know yet that halftime 
And halftime is so quick, and it's not like they have time to go in and look at their phone and see and see everything. They have enough time to go in, maybe use the restroom, maybe get like a couple of orange slices, and then they've got to be out and give the teams like a two-minute warning. So there's not a ton. They may talk about something that, that was significant, but again, they're just kind of going through their routine, and there's not a ton of kind of reflection at halftime to go, what about that play, that play? That, that's really not happening a lot. That's, uh, that's interesting because I, I do a little college basketball in Vegas as a color analyst, and I had, for one of the men's games, the Runner Rebels, I had one of the officials walk up to me at the break and go, hey, we went back and watched this. And he goes, thanks for being kind to us. Yeah. And I was like, wait, you're watching video at the half? And then I wanted to say to him, you should have watched two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wasn't because kind, I wasn't kind to you. And that's the concern. If, you're, if, you're, if your mindset is going back and now, okay, oh, my God, we screwed that up, that's going to affect you going forward because a lot of people can't put that, you know, in the past, and that's always been the concern. They may ask, though. They may ask, hey, what about that call in the third quarter? What would you think? This one you may disagree with me on. Uh, one of the things that has bothered me a lot, when you see, like, some of the behind-the-scenes NFL films kind of stuff, right? Yeah. The over-friendliness between yeah. an official and a player sometimes. Adam doesn't like conversations. I'm like, please stop, stop it's, that. It's funny that you're right. I always felt the same way. Like, look, there, there's, there has to be a relationship, sure. right? But it should be a professional relationship. But over time, an official's been in the league for 20 years. They, they may, you know, and but that, the just the perception of that yeah. is not good. And when you think about everything that's riding on these games, not just the teams themselves and those like the, 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 the gambling aspects and all the other things, that perception is not great when when an official's buddy buddy right we had the whole thing with with um mike evans with tampa where the officials were getting you know yeah. they thought it was an autograph yeah. it was actually a cell phone number about some, some golf golfing thing but you hate that right the, of course I but do. it yeah. does it creates that perception of is there something going on and and there there isn't but it's tough when you have that visual to say well you know just Trust, trust me, don't trust what you're seeing. But I will side with the officials, especially the guys working the sidelines who have to listen to the bench and the coaches. Man. Because I'll tell you, college basketball, again, I'm down near the floor, and there are times I sit behind coaches and I'm like, I would have teed up this guy 53 <laughs> they, times in this they game. Have, they take so they take much so abuse. Much and then the abuse. coaches feel like, hey, that guy's yelling, so now I got to yell because I got to fight for my guys. Yep. And it is, and it's, it's. I think basketball, it's worse probably because they're just, everybody's on top of you, the fans, everybody. I mean, it's horrible. It, 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 it's, but for the officials on the sideline, they'll hear it. That's why part of the reason they switch at halftime is so they're not on the same sideline with the same team the entire time. And I was with, I just saw, and I love him to death, B.A., Bruce Arians, I just saw him over here earlier. But he would, I mean, I would hear from officials that he would ride them incessantly. And at some point, you just want to tell them, Shut the f up! Like leave me alone. You know, it's just that's just that's just being a human being and yep. being like, I'm not gonna listen to this guy anymore. Last one in the XFL. So you're working with the XFL. Are they doing any you know different rules? Are they gonna change anything? So you know the 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 2.0 version in 2020, the kickoff was different. That's coming back. I think what you're gonna see with the XFL, and we're excited, is you're gonna see more access. You're gonna be able to see and listen into the replay process and listen to the officials communicate on the field because whenever you can have that type of transparency it eliminates any of that conspiracy that we hear you know it's all scripted and whatever all that nonsense um so i think we're going to see some pretty cool stuff in the xfl you're gonna have a lot more access than you're used to what do you have in terms of uh, 
involvement in the Super Bowl this weekend. So we'll be broadcasting the game, obviously. I'll be Mike Prayer will be in the booth with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. I'll be on the field um, available for the pregame show. Halftime, if there's something significant, I can come on and, and talk about it from an officiating perspective. If they, if they actually You're put, not a guest star with Rihanna, though. I don't. I am a, actually. I'm pretty mean karaoke. So if she hasn't <laughs> wow. asked me yet, but if she wants, I can come on. Wait, what's the go-to song for you? Um. Oh, like I want it that way. Backstreet Boys. Okay. I'll crush that. That's good. I'll crush that. It's <laughs> good. It's good stuff. Would you Would you watch an alternate uh, feed of just Pereira and Dean? Yes. A- analyzing the calls. Yes. You would like, be. Yeah. There's. Yes. He's, I could tell. Guy. I yes. could tell. You. 100%. You'd be one of our eight viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Blandino, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got it, guys.